Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 304 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about red flags related to low back pain. We're going to go over the importance of identifying red flags early. We're going to talk about the most common signs and symptoms of red flags of the low back. And then we're also going to differentiate between subjective and objective red flag findings and so much more. But if you don't mind holding for a moment, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. You've all seen the name Chattanooga in rehab clinics. Chattanooga has been a staple for all your traditional clinical equipment needs. And they are now carrying modalities including high-powered laser, focus shockwave, and radial pressure wave devices. These modalities have the ability to transform your practice from both a clinical and revenue standpoint. Trust me, I have patients traveling over an hour to come have radial pressure wave treatment in our clinic. Click the link in the show notes to request a quote, schedule an in-person demo, or get more information on their new modalities. You can also visit their website at www.lightforcemedical.com. Welcome back. So there are so many low back pain patients coming through the door lately. It's been absolutely incredible. Everything from sciatica to you know, spondylolisthesis to arthritis of the low back and discitis and all kinds of issues. And it's, you know, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about some red flags. Um, if you listen to last week's episode, we talked about a very unfortunate incident where um, we learned a lot about, you know, the importance of identifying red flags early and, and how it can be helpful when you uh, identify these early. And so I thought that, you know, because we oftentimes see so many patients with low back pain, we can become very complacent and maybe even have this tendency. And I'm not saying that everybody does this, but, you know, when you've been at it for a long time, you see a lot of the same type of patient. It's not uncommon to get into a routine of asking the same questions over and over and maybe doing the same type of treatment. And then sometimes treatment kind of snowballs from one patient to another, and it becomes kind of a standardized regime that you give those patients. And we need to remember that we need to individualize our evaluations and our treatment plans for absolutely everybody who comes through the door. But we get so comfortable with that, that oftentimes we we forget to ask these red flag questions. You know, the lumbar spine can be so super complicated. And I, I remember way back when, when they had done studies about, you know, people being able to identify what the true cause of pain was in low back in low backs. And it was, you know, the, the numbers were crazy. People were just not hitting the target at all with a lot of their diagnoses and misdiagnosing patients. And I think this is getting better and better and better as we have better research and uh, we take our experience and we bring it to you folks on what we've seen and what works and what doesn't work. So um, today we're going to be, you know, doing a little red flag review. We're going to start with what you would start with, okay, which would be subjective questions. And you can knock out a lot of serious issues just by asking a few questions, which which just takes seconds. And I oftentimes at this point will tell the patient that I'm going to ask you some yes and no, uh, some questions that require yes and no answers, or maybe A, B, and C, or uh, better, worse, or the same. And I'd like you to answer them like that and not elaborate anymore. And we'll talk about elaborating later, but we really want to kind of get some of these out of the way. And if you can, you can really just eliminate those red flags and then get to the meat and potatoes and really start to hone in your evaluation. So, you know, the most common question, and you're going you're gonna to find this weird, but it should be your first question is, how old are you? 
All right. If somebody comes in with low back pain and they're under 20 years old, you have to be very suspicious, especially if it's something that kind of, you know, started insidiously or just, you know, there was no big mechanism of injury. Uh, maybe there is an underlying issue and uh, maybe something that, uh, you know, that is congenital, some sort of congenital abnormality that was not picked up at an early age. Um, and uh, sometimes you can pick these up because it's unusual for people under 20 to have true low back pain that just doesn't get better or change with activity um, and without a mechanism of injury. Now, it's not a red flag to be 50 years or older if you have low back pain, but there, there is an association with osteoporosis, um, our development of arthritis, and even, you know, if they've had recent trauma, um, you know, or even a light fall. I've seen people with compression fractures who basically just kind of slipped funny. Uh, maybe they landed a little weird or they, um, you know, and, and they developed a, a compression fracture. Or if somebody comes in and, and they say, you know, I haven't had any recent injury, but I got this severe pain going down my legs and in my back and doesn't matter what position they're in, they can't you know, change that. Um, you have to be somewhat concerned uh, with a triple A AAA or an aortic aneurysm, uh, abdominal aneurysm, nephritis, constipation. So you should be uh, asking, you know, do you have any bowel or bladder issues or any recent sexual dysfunction? Uh, I've had patients come in and have this unusual back pain that I just can't reproduce. Uh, I can't do any special tests that make it worse. Can't position them in a certain position. And they might come in on their next visit and say, you're not going to believe this. And I'm really embarrassed about this, but I was constipated. I ended up in the emergency room and uh, they helped me out. My back pain went away right away. Um, and, you know, sometimes it can be something as simple as that. But, um, you know, you ask the question, do you have any bowel or bladder uh, issues or any recent sexual dysfunction? That could be a sign of cauter equina syndrome. All right. Um, urinary retention, the inability to get started or some bowel incontinence is very serious. And um, again, you know, cauter equina uh, should come to mind when you see this. Now, you need to remember that you can't just look at one of these red flags and say, oh, they have one out of these 10 or 12. And they have a serious problem, okay? Usually it's about matching up a lot of these uh, signs and symptoms with others that would, you know, that would, you know, lead you to think that there is a serious problem going on or maybe match it up with your physical findings, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. Um, you know, ask the question, do you have any uh, numbness or tingling in this saddle region? Uh, another sign of a cauter equina syndrome. Have you had any unusual or sudden weight loss? And that is a tricky one because some people be like, yeah, I lost, you know, 15 pounds in a month. And, um, well, maybe they, you know, got the flu and they were really sick and they were, uh, you know, vomiting and had diarrhea. And, and on top of that, they just didn't have an appetite. So they weren't eating much. Um, you know, that doesn't really count. But if somebody comes in and they say, you know, I really haven't changed anything, but I just don't feel like eating much, or maybe I have pain when I eat. Um, and uh, I'm just losing weight or I'm eating the same thing I always eat and I'm losing weight. Then you need to really be, um, you know, worried about possible malignancy. Uh, and, uh, this has to be brought up with, uh, you know, the patient's provider to start looking at, you know, why that is. And it's really kind of one of the first questions I ask. Uh, and uh, once you get that out of the way, you get it out of the way. The next question I ask associated with the uh, sudden weight loss is, do you have any nighttime pain or pain when you're at rest? 
if you if you should be able to relieve low back pain, okay? It doesn't matter if you have an annular tear of your disc or if you have sciatica, you have nerve root compression, herniated disc, you should be able to change your position and change your pain, all right? But if you cannot find a position that's comfortable and the pain is intractable and it happens when you're upright, it happens when you're sitting, it happens when you're lying down, you can't fall asleep because your pain just doesn't stop and it's constant, you need to be concerned with this. Another question that, you know, and we can start getting, this could get a little uncomfortable, but you want to ask, is there been a history of IV drug use? There's a high episode of you know, infection uh, and bacterial infections, especially leading to epidural abscess. And um, so, you know, IV drug use in itself is a red flag when somebody has low back pain. So you need to be uh, aware of that. Other ways of getting injections are, um, you know, like local epidural steroid injections, lumbar injections, SI joint injections, those types of things. Ask about that. Have they had any recent injections for, for pain and or spinal surgery? And I also, you know, talk about did the symptoms change? So if you had an injection, did the pain that you had in your leg go away after a couple of days? And if so, how long did that last? And does this feel different than that, that relief that you got right after? So how different is it? Or, you know, we, we tell patients that they may be a little uncomfortable the first couple of days after an injection. We expect that. After surgery, you should be uncomfortable. They, they just cut through tissue um, that wasn't cut through before. And so that should be uncomfortable. But that shouldn't continue to get worse and worse and worse. It should start to get better over time, especially if they're taking medication. All right. So you need to be somewhat concerned about an infection or maybe an epidural hematoma uh, if they've had surgery or an injection. Um, along with that, you know, do they have a fever? And a fever could be a pretty good indicator that there is some sort of an infection going on. So, you know, if all of these things are kind of coming into play, kind of piece them together. I always ask about leg pain. Now, we see a million patients with leg pain. I know that's exaggerating, but I've seen a tremendous number of patients with, you know, nerve root compression and leg pain. I'm typically more concerned when they have bilateral leg pain, okay? That's very unusual. It's unusual to herniate a disc to both sides at the same level at the same time and with the same amount of discomfort. So typically, if you know, and it's possible. We've seen that happen. We've seen people with very large central herniated discs. It, it gets both nerve roots. Um, and these people will have a positive well straight leg raise test. So if that's, you know, happening, you need to be concerned about the size of this herniation. Um, but you also need to be concerned with uh, an abdominal aortic aneurysm if they have bilateral leg pain and you cannot change it um, physically in the clinic with a special testing or modification of activity or position. Um, and so that is something that you should be somewhat concerned with. Now, that's a lot of the subjective stuff, and I elaborated on a lot of it, but before we get done, I'm just going to do a quick review of how I ask these questions and how quickly you can knock these out, all right? But first of all, I want to talk about some of the physical findings. Um, once you've gone through your subjective questioning, it's important that you do a neurological assessment of the lower extremities. So um, I always start with deep tendon reflexes. If I find that they are hyperreflexive, 
I'm somewhat concerned about upper motor neuron lesions. And there are a number of people out there who will be hyper-reflexive no matter what, okay? They may not have a darn thing wrong with them, but they are hyper-reflexive. They're just neurologically, you know, wound up, and that's okay. And But if you have other findings like these subjective findings that we just talked about and they're hyper-reflexive, uh, the red light should go on and you should be uh, considering some sort of an upper motor neuron lesion. Now, if somebody comes in and they're hypo-reflexive, um, you need to be thinking about a lower motor neuron type problem, such as a nerve root compression problem. Um, and, uh, you know, cauticoinus syndrome can pre present with some hypo-reflexia. I typically don't get too excited if they are irreflexive on both sides um, or if they're light on both sides. I'm more concerned with one that is normal on one side and one that is not on the other. Okay. Um, from there, you should be doing a Babinski reflex. If that is positive and the toes are upgoing, you need to be thinking of an upper motor neuron lesion. The other thing that uh, I ask uh, patients and I observe, is there an altered gait? You know, could there be um, a transverse myelitis or maybe a cervical spine um, central cord stenosis? Lumbar spine central cord stenosis can cause this. Um, another concerning finding. Now, when it comes to weakness, um, when I do manual muscle testing, I, I look for what type of weakness it is. Is it kind of cogging or is it like a painless weakness that just kind of um, lets go smoothly? The patient will be you know, kind of impressed with, wow, I really thought about straightening my leg out, but I couldn't. Like I had nothing there and it's very smooth and non-painful. Um, I'm usually more concerned when I see that, especially if I see it on both sides but even more concerned if I see it across multiple myotomes. So if a patient comes in with extensor halysis weakness, dorsiflexion weakness, plantar flexion weakness, um, knee extension, knee flexion, hip flexion, they're all weak, I am very concerned about that, okay? Um, that is more than, you know, five levels of nerve root compression going on on both sides. Uh, that is more likely to be an upper motor neuron lesion type scenario. So um, I don't know if some of you have uh, recently heard, but I had a gentleman with a central cord stenosis at the cervical spine, a serious one, um, and he presented with all of these lower extremity findings. And the only thing in the upper extremity was a positive Hoffman sign that made us believe that he had a cervical spine problem. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to add a video um, to today's uh, presentation in the in the link. In the, it's going to be a link in the show notes. I want you to go to that. Check it out. Now, it's not a super high-quality video. It's an old one um, of a gentleman who has transverse myelitis. You need to remember I did a one-hour evaluation on this gentleman before doing the video, so I did cut a few things out. But check it out. You'll actually be able to see what an upper motor neuron lesion looks like in the thoracic spine indicating to us that there's something serious going on here. We made some major phone calls, uh, got this gentleman on some uh, uh, IV uh, antibiotics and medication. Uh, they got him on prednisone, got him taken care of. But, you know, addressing these things quickly is super important. So what I did want to do is just go through a little bit of a review of what we talked about today. Okay, so here's how I ask my questions subjectively. You know, how old are you? Simple enough. Have you had any recent trauma? Have you had any bowel or bladder problems that are new or unusual or sexual dysfunction that is new or unusual? These are yes and no answers, okay? Do you have difficulty um, starting to urinate and or do you have incontinence with your bowels? 
Do you have any numbness or tingling around the saddle area? Do you have any history of IV drug use? Have you had any recent spinal surgery or spinal injections? Um, do you have any nighttime pain or pain at rest? Can you change your pain by changing the way you move? Have you had any unusual or unintended weight loss? Have you had any tripping or have you stubbed your toe recently or fallen more so than usual? And from there, see, that took us about maybe 45 seconds. Uh, and you can answer, you know, have these answered yes, no questions. Uh, and then you can jump into your physical exam to see if any of those physical findings match up with your subjective history. And if there are more yeses, um, you know, you need to be, con you know, considering that there's some likeliness that there is going to be some serious issue here. All right. So there you have it, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. We talked, uh, we brought a lot of information into a, a short, you know, quick episode. But I think you need to remember that red flags are very important to identify, uh, that anybody who has contact with patient can ask these questions and identify these issues and get them taken care of sooner. So again, hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check out our website at orthoevalpal.com. Find our 500 plus videos on YouTube, get tidbits of information, short tidbits that I like to put on Instagram. Um, and uh, those are usually unusual presentations that I see that I can just snap off and uh, send over to you just to help uh, educate so that um, you can cut your learning bell curve in half. Uh, if you need some online coaching, I can certainly help you with that. Again, thank you so much for listening to, listening to the show. Be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.